here on africatechradio.com. This is Af- Africa, Africa Tech Radio. In secondary schools, every student is taught that four paths make production possible. Land, capital, entrepreneurship, and labor. Labor is the amount of physical, mental, and social effort used to produce goods and services in an economy. It supplies the expertise, manpower, and service needed to turn raw materials into finished products and services. In return for their efforts, laborers receive a wage to buy the goods and services they don't produce themselves. Whether it is a living wage or a minimum wage, it is important that workers earn enough to cover the costs of living. In recent times in our climbs, the importance of work and the role of labor in the development of an economy has been downplayed, but without labor, production will not be complete. Is work still important in a society like ours, which downplays the essence of hard work, labor, and everything it stands for? Also, in times like this, when work and labor seems like suffering for sins, and compensation seems to be in the other world. Well, despite the current situation of things, work is actually a very important part of our society, without which the society will most likely collapse. And for individuals, work is an important part of our lives. It's an important feature in structuring personal and social identity, family and social bonds, ways of making money, and thereby accessing a number of essential and non-essential goods, services and activities, daily routines, level of activity, physical and mental well-being, self-confidence and self-esteem. Work provides a sense of self-worth provided by the feeling of contributing to society or the common good. And for societies, work is an important feature in promoting community, cohesion and safety, increasing civic participation, reducing public spending in a range of welfare benefits, provided of course that work is performed in a decently paid job, promoting social and economic development and organizing social life at a macro level. The current technological innovations which have impacted work, rising unemployment rates and effects of the COVID pandemic has placed a lot of stress on the contemporary worker. Yet, despite these current conditions, work is still a central piece in our societies and a crucial factor in the social integration of all. Now, we will be discussing with a human resource generalist with over 10 years experience working for SMEs across different industries spanning consulting, e-commerce, retail and advertising. Our guest is the founder of HR on Wheels, a technology and on-site human resource consulting firm with a focus to add value to the businesses of SMEs by emphasizing the need to have a people strategy in place at the early stages of their businesses. As a certified senior professional in Human Resources International from the Human Resources Certification Institute in the United States of America, our guest Oyeton Roberts will share her expert perspectives on the plight of the Nigerian worker with suggestions on how to improve them. Welcome on the show, ma'am. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And happy Workers' Day to you. I wish you the same. All right, then. Now, how has COVID affected vulnerable workers? And how can we support them in the post-pandemic recovery plan? 
That's an interesting question. Um, I mean, for all of us uh, globally, COVID uh, really came unexpected. And um, I would say that nobody had any plan. Nobody saw it coming. So there was no way anyone could have, you know, made any plans to push in the effect on the workforce as well as on the economy as a whole. But I'd like to say that, you know, the most affected category of employees were the contingent workforce. And the contingent workforce in any economy make up the largest number of the workforce. So you see that most of the contingent um, workforce span across manufacturing industry, the oil and gas retail, the QSR, quick service um, restaurants and the hospitality industry. And our own in Nigeria, the famous Niger party industry. So what you would find is that a lot of this contingent work, workforce and workers um, suddenly realized that they were out of work. Many tailors had to let go of their people who were working for them. Caterers didn't have any orders coming in. Uh, manufacturers had to shut down their factories. So it left this class of employees very vulnerable and without any source of income. So one of the things that I would like to say is that to cushion the effects, uh, many organizations have stepped up through their CSR programs. I mean, private, private organizations now. Um, came up with different interventions to try and uh, donate. There were palliatives donated last year. And then one of the recommendations I would like to put out there that we can begin to think of as a nation is to implement unemployment insurance at some point um, on a national level. And what that means is that, you know, to, if, for instance, Nigeria had a plan for un unemployment insurance when the pandemic hit, the revenues or the monies that have been generated from that insurance could have been paid out in little stipends to this category of employees who were greatly affected. Um, I also know that the CBN came out with a lot of um, intervention funds, gave out salaries for up to three months to small businesses who couldn't afford to pay their employees. So there were different interventions. But I would say that where we are right now, we're in the recovery phase. Many businesses are beginning to pick up again, but we cannot downplay the effect it has had on the industries that I've listed uh, when I started out. Now, due to the effects of the pandemic on businesses, how should employees' benefits in the post-pandemic workplace be viewed or approached? Well, when you talk about benefits, again, it became very apparent to all of us, you know, globally. When I say all of us, I'm referring to the global scene now, that the biggest benefit that anybody must provide, you know, across class, across, you know, status, is healthcare. And without healthcare, everything else we provide is just, is just not going to cut it. So more and more, many organizations are realizing that the greatest benefit that must be prioritized is healthcare. And um, healthcare organizations, especially in Nigeria, the HMOs, they have become more flexible. Their payment plans are now more affordable to SMEs, so that even SMEs cannot say that they cannot afford to provide basic cover for their employees. Because again, like we all say, health is wealth. So we need to begin to have that um, mindset shift some of the benefits that employees enjoyed before covid some have been slashed into half some have become non-existent because the reality was that you know the economy suffered globally and so businesses had to scale down on how and what they were spending on and only focusing on the necessities and like like i said when i started um healthcare is the 
uh, necessity, being able to feed, providing you with the barest salary that can take you home. And then all the other benefits that were good to have became postponed till there was a full recovery in the economy. I'd like to say something about mental health. I hope I'm not taking too much of your time. The impact of mental health did not become visible or apparent until last day as well, during the pandemic. And so many more organizations are paying attention to the mental health of their employees because the symptoms don't manifest physically, but the reality is that it's still a part of the human anatomy and the human body. And so it must be prioritized. So I am very excited that, you know, that's a conversation that has gained significant interest and popularity since the pandemic and organizations are beginning to be more aware and paying attention and putting measures in place to prevent mental health breakdown. So keeping people safe and healthy has become the primary objective for employers across the world, especially as we're all getting back to work during this health and economic crisis. But companies will also be focusing on staying productive and even regaining lost productivity. So where and how should businesses strike a balance in maintaining a sustainable workforce that allows them to stay competitive? Before 2020, um, the idea of working from home was strained to many organizations. And some people would say, oh, no, I can't allow my employees to work from home. How do I monitor what everyone will be doing? You know, we have to be physically present in the office for work to move. So all of those ideologies were proven to be wrong (laughs) during the pandemic. I know that a lot of organizations still have restrictions, even though, I mean, most people seem to have adjusted to the new normal. But the new normal still um, emphasizes that we maintain social distancing while still trying to regain lost ground. When I say lost ground, um, going back to optimum levels of productivity before the pandemic. So it's been a very tough balance that many organizations are still trying to find. But I would say that by and large, people are beginning to adapt to these changes and finding tweaks here and there to make sure that productivity is improved from when there was a total lockdown to now that you know everything seems to be coming back to normal. Well, not normal as we used to know it, but to the new normal. Again, many organizations have started adopting flexible work structures where some employees will come in this week, another set will come in next week, or some people work two days a week, the other sets work three days a week. So people are beginning to realize that, well, we really didn't all have to be in the same space to get work done. But it is now putting all the right parameters, tools, to ensure that people are not dropping the ball because they're not all in the same physical space anymore. So yes, employers are looking to adopt technology. Many have adopted technology and some are still looking at how they can optimize their current processes using technology so that um, productivity can be maintained and also improved as we continue to move into this new normal that we all have found ourselves in. Also, let me state that, you know, with the new normal, one of the key success factors to achieve productivity is to have processes clearly defined and documented. And I'm referring to having standard operating procedure manuals in place for 
all the functions that are being performed across your organization. So that way, you know, people know what is expected of them and how they're expected to do what is expected of them. Wow, yes, the new normal, the new normal. Perhaps the yes. biggest HR challenge is adjusting to an environment where frequent change, volatility, and uncertainty have become the norm, like we call it the new normal. How mm -hmm. important is HR tech in addressing this challenge? Okay, so before the pandemic, you know, the typical scenario for um, an HR department is, oh, say for instance, you want to hire people, well, you leverage some technology using, you know, job sites to get your post out there. Then you have your internal ATS or your process for shortlisting and keeping um, candidates database. And then you realize that the pandemic happened and all of a sudden, all the other HR functions that you used to perform real time, I mean, with face-to-face, in-person engagement, had to suddenly be replaced, you know, using technology. So you find that in any organization, I always say, uh, anybody else can argue if you're in another uh, profession, but I always say that HR is the bedrock, is the, is the backbone of any business, of any organization. And so everything else stems from, you know, your HR function. So before the pandemic, you know, we had a blend of um, adopting some technology and then using some in-person and paper-based system. But since the pandemic happened, it became very apparent that everything had to go online. And that meant that every organization, irrespective of size, had to find a way to adopt a full tech HR department, you know, that can perform all the HR functions from the beginning to the very end. When I say from the beginning, from, you know, the point of even planning for your HR strategy within your organization to your people strategies, how you would hire, and then even how people would engage within the organization till they exit. So all of those planning had to be transferred remotely, you know, online to ensure that the workforce could be kept active and engaged going forward. And so it cannot be overemphasized that we're not going back to how things used to be before the pandemic. We're only moving forward. And so it's only wise for organizations to begin to see how they can adopt HR technology. It's been around for quite some, some time. I mean, as far back as 2008, I knew about Bamboo HR. And I was trying to implement it for one of the companies that I worked for. There was um, there have been several. And then interestingly, HR on Wheels is also developing one at the moment. And we would let you know when it launches. But it is targeting small businesses because we believe that, you know, that's the future. We all have to learn to adopt technology to be productive and to move our businesses forward. All right. I think that's what we're going to do. Tech is here to help us out. And then we must let yeah, it. So now let's talk Nigeria. In Nigeria, yeah. uh, minimum wage debate lingers. Industrial disputes remain unresolved. And reports say workers fear labor unions are not alive to their duties. Hiking goods and services and other reasons have made the National Labor Union in Nigeria to choose Save Lives at Work as the theme for this year. Now, the question is, can Workers' Day ever be celebrated with some reason to be happy? Like, is there any hope for the Nigerian and African worker? Because the Nigerian situation is also happening across Africa. Well, thank you very much for that question. The minimum wage conversation has been, a, I mean, it's been, as far as 
I've been a young adult. It's been a conversation that I've heard over and over again in different quarters. Private sector, I've tried to define what the minimum wage is for them. The public sector as well. But as we all know, in 2019, the president signed the new bill, a bill to increase the minimum wage from 18,000 naira to 30,000 naira. And people were happy, people were excited. But the truth of the matter is that that move was only necessitated because of the inflation rates. When there's inflation, the natural thing that needs to happen is for the minimum wage to also be increased to match the rate of inflation. Now, for the inflation, things we used to buy, you and I live here in Nigeria, and you know, you have said it's also cuts across Africa. Things we used to buy at a certain rate, you know, suddenly increased to, to a new amount or to a new price value. And then all of a sudden, it became unaffordable. So what it meant is that for any Nigerian or any worker to be able to still afford those things, there had to be a corresponding increase in their base salaries or their take-home. But the reality is that, again, the minimum wage conversation, it's very delicate. I would like to use the word delicate because there are several factors that contribute to how the minimum wage is set and comes about and then how it's actually even paid out. You and I are aware that, I don't want to go into politics now, but even some state governments are still struggling to be able to afford to pay that minimum wage. And so there are myriads of issues, you know, surrounding the minimum wage. And that's why it almost appears as if the Nigerian Labour Union or the Congress is unable to take a decisive action because they are not unaware of some of the other constraints. Now, there's, again, there are several factors. We can say, oh, well, if there wasn't corruption, then we'll be able to afford more. But where we are is where we are, right? And what can we do? It's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate situation you know, we find ourselves in, in Nigeria. But what I'd like to say is that equity is what we all strive for. I am an advocate, you know, that we need to ensure that people are getting true value, you know, for what it is that they are contributing. But the reality is, do we have enough? When I say, do we have enough? Are we generating enough revenue as a country? Our productivity index, does it match, you know, what it is that we are getting? There's so many factors. And so I, I, I like to try to shy away from having that conversation in detail. But what I do believe in is that, you know, in our own way, I mean, I'm speaking to business owners now and then even for, for employees, we need to begin to find how we can increase the GDP of Nigeria as a country and even across Africa. Because when that happens, we'll see that there will be easier wealth transfer. The wealth transfer will be easier and people can live more comfortably because we're all collectively increasing the revenue that is generated and so there's more to go around rather than, you know, wait on the government and then everybody's just waiting. On. I, I mean, I, I commend all the private sector people, you know, hiring a mass, but the pandemic hit again. And so people are saying, look, I can't even afford the 30,000 naira. Even the 18,000 naira they were paying before was a struggle. So I'll say that we all desire to have a living wage because i like that word the living wage having enough to maintain a normal standard of living that's the definition of a living wage we all desire it but it's a work in progress for us as a country let's look at some broad ideas on reduced number of working days the discussion about a living wage and not a minimum wage mm -hmm. though we know that 
these times are not normal times. Now, what's your take on these issues and how close are we to building an equitable society where the worker is a true partner and beneficiary in the development of the society? Okay, so I'll take it one after the other. The first part is about flexibility, creating a flexible work structure. And I'll say that truth is there's no other way of looking at, at this. The contingent workforce, like I said, is here to stay and is even growing more in popularity. I'll give you an example so that at least it's more relatable. We all need graphics designers or graphics artists for our businesses one way or the other in the new age, the new normal that we find ourselves in. And a lot of organizations are realizing that, look, I can't hire a 200,000 Naira a month graphics person and he's just sitting and servicing just my organization. Now, some organizations can afford it. Their workload demands it. So they go full time. But what you find is that a lot more organizations, at least for my own organization now, what we've done is we now have more freelancers working for us. But the ability for the freelancers to manage their own time, their resources, to be able to service us effectively is now another conversation. But the truth of the matter is that where we are now is a place where everybody is stepping back and saying, what can I outsource? What can I keep in-house and retain in-house? And how can I ensure that the graphics person just needs to report to us once a week? We don't know how he wants to do it, whether he's working for 20 other organizations. But what is important is that he's earning from us, he's earning from other clients, and he's able to have a living wage. I'm not sure if you understand what I mean by that. So there are different scenarios of how we can reduce work hours and then allow more people you know, to be beneficiaries so that it goes around. But again, those who are holding full-time jobs will kick against that because it means that their own work hours will be reduced so that somebody else can come in and earn a living wage. There are so many factors, there are dynamics to this thing, and it cannot all be said here. But the reality is we all have to look inwards. We have to look at how we can optimize what we have and then derive maximum value from it. If I'm a freelancer, how can I deliver effectively to my client and make a living wage, not a minimum wage? So those are conversations that have to happen, that these employers have to have a mindset shift that look, this is how best we can hire, this is how much we can afford, but we will not own this resource alone. We are willing to make sure that this resource is able to spread their services or their expertise across and then also derive value for us as a company for what we can pay. And then, you know, we are all happy. The world will, <laughs> will be a happy place. All right, um, Workers' Day. What, how are you celebrating it? And what will be your well wish to every worker listening to you? I try as much as possible not to work on Workers' Day <laughs> because every other day is one work or the other, you know, that you have to get on top of. But for this particular Workers' Day, um, I realize I've worked too hard. So I'm recovering from some downtime. But um, so I said to myself, I'm not going to open my laptop, even though I didn't keep that promise I had to attend to something. But I like to say to everybody else that work, no, they finish, you know, the night just slang. Um, so you need to be wise, plan effectively for how you would work. Work smart, not hard. Plan your work, be focused, be dedicated, put everything you have into it, and you will eventually reap the rewards. There is no shortcut to success. That's my favorite uh, quote. 
success is a process and you must be willing to work through it to get to the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now we'll be speaking with uh, a certified senior professional in Human Resources International from the Human Resources Certification Institute in the US of A on the plight of the Nigerian work and how to make things better. Yes, she's a human resource generalist over 10 years experience and the founder of HR on Wheels, which is a technology and on-site human resource consulting firm. Oyetong Roberts, thank you for sharing your expert perspective with us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Gloria. And um, it was my pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much. So nothing ever comes to one that is worth having except as a result of hard work. Though work and labor isn't looked at with excitement these days, it is still important for us to celebrate hard work, effort, and labor. And let's not forget the famous quote that genius is 1% while inspiration and perspiration is 99% and without labor, nothing prospers. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows on africatechradio.com.